All right, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Scott Shannon. And here's our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. It's 800-941-SHAWN. You want to join us. Everything is on the table. You just heard Chucky Schumer saying what he was saying. Everything is on the table. They now have a committee looking into the possibility of stacking the courts. But that may be more than just the Supreme Court. But their their main goal is the United States Supreme Court. Um, now, Elizabeth Warren has come out, according to conventional wisdom. Joe Biden has already done pretty much everything the radical leftist socialist extremist in his party have told him to do. Who's in charge? Actually, I can't really give you a, a fact filled answer because I don't know the answer. I just know that Joe Biden is surrounded by the most radical extremists in Washington. And according to Elizabeth Warren, conventional wisdom is wrong as it relates to packing the Supreme Court statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico, because we know because they're already they're already moving on all of these things. Uh, even the idea of getting rid of the filibuster. We, I, I saw the, the beginning of the mansion knee buckling, it appears when he said, well, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, no, no means no. What part of no? Then it became. Well, I'm I'm not in favor of getting rid of the filibuster, but we need to make it harder. Oh, okay, Joe. That means, let's see, Schumer and company and Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and the radical leftists in your party are getting you to buckle on the legislative filibuster. Politics USA prints Senator Elizabeth Warren saying on Monday, Democrats in the U.S. Senate are actively discussing plans to prevent Republicans from using the filibuster to thwart Joe Biden's popular agenda. What's popular about it? Who Who's loving this agenda except, what, the squad that really are in charge, that Nancy Pelosi's deathly afraid of, Chuck Schumer's deathly afraid of? Anyway, on uh, MSDNC, Elizabeth Warren said Democrats are fully aware the filibuster must be addressed if they want to get anything meaningful passed through Congress. We are in Washington to fulfill our promises to the American people to make this government work for them, not give Mitch McConnell a veto. So stay tuned. Okay, she said, for example, our problem is not just the $15 an hour minimum wage. Our problem is the filibuster. It blocks us on everything that doesn't fit through. And she goes on, we really want to make changes to protect the vote. That's H.R. 1. We really want to make changes on gun safety. Oh, great. Just just th- these are her words, not mine. We really want to make changes on immigration. Well, you already made them and we see the disastrous policies uh, and the the impact on the country already. It's a disaster. Uh, we want to make changes on child care. We've got to get a deal with the filibuster. Here's the good news. Democrats know that. And the discussions are now going on on our side about what we can do. Take that as a dire warning is that, yes, the radicals want to basically run this through executive fiat and basically just override any and all opposition. Now, there is there is one little light at the end of the tunnel here is when Americans see and wake up to what it is that they're actually doing. And when these policies begin to come in their purview and they see the, the, the thirst, the, the 
the desire for this power to a limit to just it is the biggest attempted power grab in the history of the country. When Elizabeth Warren is talking about protecting the vote, she's talking about H.R. 1. What is H.R. 1? H.R. 1 is the bill that would automatically register everybody. H.R. 1 is the bill that would eliminate all voter ID. H.R. 1 is the bill that would allow felons to vote. H.R. 1 is the one that would expand voting, uh, uh, mail-in voting, to pretty much everybody. H.R. 1 is the bill that would pretty much shred the constitutional authority given to state legislatures in the time, means, and place of elections, et cetera, et cetera. That's that's exactly what she's talking about. Now, they can't win this fight the old-fashioned legislative way, so now they've got to take away any, they have a 50-50 Senate. Now you have to take it away. And this is what is going to end up. Watch also, too, if you think the use of reconciliation. You're going to hear a lot about the word reconciliation, reconciliation. What is reconciliation, Hannity? That's all Washington speak to me. Well, it should be because it's if it's confusing, it's designed to be. But that's their parliamentary process where Biden, congressional Democrats, advance uh, their big government spending, like the $1.9 trillion, only 9% of which is emergency COVID relief, but they call it emergency COVID relief, so they can bail out all their blue states, they can pacify all their their varying constituencies in the hopes that they'll go out and vote for them again every two and four years. And that's what that part is about. But you don't need to go to 60 votes to get the vote. You have to ask, well, it's just a simple majority. Kamala Harris will be the tie-breaking vote. So that this is where this is all headed. And on top of that, you got this this culture battle. I was shocked. I did not know this. Linda said it was, why, why hadn't I heard about this before? You know, but this, you think it's bad with Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss and Pepe Le Pew and let's see, oh, Dumbo. And Peter Pan, apparently Aladdin is now in the mix. And all the other cancel this, cancel that culture that's going on. Anyway, I, I didn't know this. I thought Democrats like to say that they believed in inclusiveness, right? Don't they say that all the time? So you have Ivy League institution, Columbia University, New York University, hosting what appears to be a more general commencement ceremony and they're planning to hold six additional graduation ceremonies for students according to their race and other aspects of how they identify i'm i'm reading this right from foxnews.com the new york city schools website details ceremonies for and these are separate ceremonies native asian latinx with an x latin x and black students, if you haven't heard the phrase before, uh, black students taking place for Columbia College, College of Engineering, General Studies, Barnard College at the end of April. Another is dubbed the FLI graduation. That's for first generation low income community. That'd be a special, in other words, based on, I guess, whatever your economic means happen to be. Uh, and then they're going to apparently the school is going to host what they call a lavender graduation for the quote LGBTIAQ 
LGBTQ plus community. And due to coronavirus restrictions, all of these, I guess, will take place online. And we'll watch that. Now, Democrats, by the way, are trying to rally. They see that the votes are in place, the ability to have the recall against Gavin Newsom. Democrats have now unveiled an effort to combat the recall effort. It's dubbed Stop the Republican Recall. It's not the Republican recalls, like in New York. Anybody that tells you what's happening to Andrew Cuomo is a Republican problem, Democrats have a veto-proof majority in both houses, and they have the governorship. This is all being led by Democrats in Albany, New York. Majority of uh, Californians do not want Gavin Newsom ever reelected, um, which is interesting. And let's see, you have one MSDNC guest claiming the country is just as racist as we were in the 1920s. And, oh, we got Katie Pavlich tweeted this out. Apparently, Aladdin now has a warning from Disney, whatever the warning happens to be. I don't even know what that is. Look, I'll tell you the biggest problem now that is unfolding. This is the biggest attempted power grab by a single party ever in the history of this country. The reason they want to pack the courts, the reason they want D.C., Puerto Rico statehood, the reason they would end the legislative filibuster, the reason that they rule by executive fiat, and and the reason that they want to do all of these things is for one reason and one reason only. They want full control so they can implement the most radical agenda led by and, and fundamentally predicated on the radical Green New Deal, redistribution, socialism on a, on a level we've never seen before. If it happens, I don't think, I don't see an easy path to recovery. If they get these election changes on top of it, I don't see a way to to overcome that. Now, people are asking me all the time, well, what, what do I do? The first step in this process has to start at the state level. If you live in Georgia, North Carolina, if you live in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Nevada, a couple of other states, you need to get your state legislators to get out there and make sure that they have integrity in the voting. The other thing that's got to happen, and it's beginning to happen, and should have a big impact over time, is that is that these Republican attorneys general, they need to do their job and challenge the legality of usurping the constitutional authority, for example, of, of state legislators when it comes to elections. They have got to challenge every single solitary thing that they do. Now, we do have a lot, a lot of judges that were appointed by Donald Trump, and, and hopefully he picked good people for those positions. But the most important thing right now is to guarantee, if the law says partisan observers can observe, that they be able to observe vote counting. If the law doesn't have voter ID requirements, states need to make that requirement even on mail-in ballots, if that happens. If there's signature verification, and there should be, you need to have one standard 
that is applied to every single voter, whether you vote in person or absentee or mail-in, whatever, whatever your state decides. If you have a state constitution that limits mail-in voting to very specific circumstances, state legislators need to follow the process of amending their constitution and go through that difficult, arduous process to get that completed, not bypass the constitutional authority and language in the state. If a state law, like in Wisconsin, has strict limitations on mail-in balloting, that law needs to be upheld, and those laws need to be strengthened. That's the first order of business. The next order of business is if you're in West Virginia, if you happen to live in Arizona, you might want to call Senator uh, Joe Manchin and Senator Cinema out in Arizona, and you might want to tell them to hold the line I'm keeping the filibuster because what I'm reading Elizabeth Warren is saying is that an enormous amount of pressure is being brought to bear on both of them to change their positions on this. Then I guess in the back of my mind, maybe I'm just suspicious, you know, then I'm thinking about what's Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney and and Ben Sass, the jackass going to do. That would concern me also. Anyway, we got a lot of ground to cover. Um, what's happening at the border is beyond any comprehension you have, and it is about to get far worse. I'll explain. Uh, look, right now, with all of this COVID madness, now, thankfully, hopefully, the warp speed vaccines, three of them handed to Joe. If somebody could remind him, it was given to him. It was already being implemented when he got into office. Seems like he forgot. Can't even make this up. I just a friend of mine sent me this from the Federalist. Look at this headline: United Socialist Utopia of California. Uh, California bill. This is a headline: California bill proposes removing cops who express religious or conservative beliefs. Let me read the headline again: California bill proposes removing cops who express religious or conservative beliefs. You know, our founding document then says we're endowed by it's. Oh, let me correct Joe. It's not the thing. Oh, you know, the thing, the thing. No. Endowed by a creator, God, the creator of everything. New bill introduced California state assembly member would literally what? How do you, what part of no prohibition on freedom of speech there at all do they not understand out in california why are they having a hard time with the most basic simple constitutional right what do i keep saying as a conservative it's simple conservatism liberty freedom limited government low taxes less government bureaucracy regulation so businesses can thrive we're a country conceived in the idea that rights come from god not from government we want lower taxes less bureaucracy, secure borders. Let's see. We want our First and Second Amendment. We want energy independence. We want law and order, safety and security. Is this hard? It's not that hard. We want good schools for our kids. We don't get that either. Affordable health care. Peace through strength. Free and fair trade deals. It's not that complicated. Republicans need to start fighting back harder. 
25 to the top of the hour. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So we now have what is growing into and what will develop it further into a massive, huge crisis at our border. We already we, we see the, the impact of this. The insanity of the left, though, is if the dog bites the bee stings, if you're feeling sad, it's all Donald Trump's fault. Somehow, guy, politicians like Schumer, Democrats, their latest lying talking point, like the Russia lie, like the Ukraine lie, like every election uh, year, every two years, every four years, the lies they tell about Republicans and conservatives being racist and sexist and misogynist and homophobic and xenophobic, Islamophobic. Now they've added transphobic and wanting dirty air, water, and wanting to take grandma and grandpa and have a Republican leader throw them over a cliff to die in their wheelchair. Those are the lies they tell. And we got plenty of these. Now they're saying that this is all Donald Trump's fault at the border. No, it's not. Tom Homan's going to join us, former ICE director, at the top of the next hour. Border's never been more secure than it is right now, thanks to Donald Trump. He built the wall. He had the stay in Mexico policy. He ended catch and release. He never supported sanctuary cities or sanctuary states. He wanted to put an end to the opioid crisis, which kills 300 of our fellow Americans each and every week. He wanted to end the human trafficking that takes place at our southern border. And now, and he was, and he built 450 miles, a new wall. Now that, project is stopped and joe biden is once again well he ended the stay in mexico policies and he now brought back catch and release we already have you know institutionalizing the institutionalization of law breaking we now have law breaking in the sense that you now have aiding and abetting going on by elected politicians how has that happened well, you aid and abet in lawbreaking when you have a sanctuary city or a sanctuary state. And that then, therefore, allows people that broke the law not to be held accountable and not enforcing the laws of the land. Or sanctuary state or city status, which then prevents the government helps, aids, abets, assists people that are in the country illegally stay here illegally rather than following what the law is or if you don't like the law, go through the difficult, arduous, tough process of actually changing the law. Oh, we, why would we bother doing that? Under Biden's policy, border policies, illegal immigrants must be released, must be, after they test positive for COVID. Now, there's 90 plus percent of people, if they get a date, a court date, because they enter the country illegally, they don't show up. They don't go to the court because they fear they're going to be deported. They didn't respect our laws, our borders, or our sovereignty. Now, Kevin McCarthy, he was down by the border yesterday. We'll talk to him tonight on Hannity. We now have fully 10% of illegal immigrants, this was in the Epic Times, he said, that are now COVID positive. We had that one Texas town with a 25% positivity rate. That's a high rate. 
And now we have overcrowding to a level we have not seen before. We have over 100,000 people. Now, it's going to get worse. It's not getting any better. We are now told that Biden, by Biden's own Homeland Security Secretary, that immigration, illegal immigration, is now set to hit a 20-year high. The number of illegal immigrants entering the U.S. via the southern border has now spiked just during Biden's less than two months in office. We are on pace now to encounter more individuals on the southwest border than we have in the last 20 years, according to the DHS secretary, uh, Mayorkas, in a statement. Well, I thought we didn't have a border crisis. I thought that's what circle back Jen Psaki's been telling us. I thought that's what Joe Biden's been telling us. By the way, don't expect Joe Biden to ever travel to the southern border. Uh, He said earlier today they have no plans to send him to the southern border and maybe open his eyes and see for himself. We now have kids in cargo shipping containers. Imagine if Donald Trump ever did this with tiny windows that have bars on them, but we're told there are butterflies put on the walls for the children. You want your kid in a cargo shipping container? I doubt it. Then you have facilities that are so overcrowded, people can't shower, as I pointed out yesterday. They're well beyond capacity. There's no social distancing, and there's no mask wearing either on top of all of that. Illegal immigrants now, even if they test positive for COVID, they must be released. And I'm not making that up either. The El Paso fire chief confirmed last week that nine migrants in El Paso tested positive for COVID since testing began. They're given rapid tests through the Office of Emergency Management. If their tests return positive, guess what? They isolate them in a hotel room. Okay, because the migrants have already been processed out of immigration custody. Guess what? They're not held in the hotel rooms. They can travel anywhere they want to go. I don't see these caravans with with tons of social distancing. Now, Dick Durbin said today that Biden's amnesty plan for illegal immigrants doesn't have support, but that doesn't factor in what Elizabeth Warren is now saying, that there are talks underway within the Democratic caucus to eliminate the filibuster, the legislative filibuster. We have signs of new caravans headed to the border. White House still can't acknowledge a crisis with 100,000 people this past month alone coming to America, many unaccompanied minors. We have one representative from Texas telling Fox News primetime Biden is complicit in this human trafficking. People are being taken advantage of. You have the U.S. is to house now over 3,000 immigrant teenagers at a Dallas convention center. The K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center is now going to be used for up to 90 days, beginning as early as next week. We now have Border Patrol facilities are a horror show. This was on Red State today. You have kids sleeping on the floor, going hungry. These are the tinfoil blankets they've been given. I guess they didn't have the luxury of being put into one of the beautiful cargo container ships, as others have been. Joe Manchin did break ranks. I'm sure he'll change his opinion in two days after Chuck Schumer and company, you know, circle around him and and try to get him back in line like they're trying to do on the filibuster issue. And then nobody says a word. Nobody says a thing. Let me switch now to the mob. The media mob. So the Washington Post 
got into this a little bit on Hannity last night, committed just outright fraud. They published fabricated, completely fabricated quotes about the election in Georgia, attributing comments to President Trump that he never made. The frauds compounded by Democrats and the House impeachment managers because they actually used that fabricated evidence at Donald Trump's impeachment trial. I don't know how it works in Congress, but in the real world, if a prosecutor presents fabricated evidence in a court of law without doing any due diligence whatsoever to establish the authenticity of that evidence, that prosecutor is then in uh, big trouble, has an obligation to make that right. That would be criminal trouble, the kind that could get you disbarred, fired at the very least, because that's what the Democratic impeachment managers now did. We know the only crime in that entire impeachment fiasco was committed by the Democratic impeachment squad. Now, the information about the president's quotes came from an anonymous source, according to the Post. They have a clip showing Democrats using the fake quote during the trial. Pennsylvania Representative Madeline Dean said during the trial, quote, on December 23rd, Trump called the chief investigator of the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, who was conducting an audit an audit of the signature matching procedures for absentee ballots. Trump urged him to, quote, find the fraud and claim that the official would be a national hero if he found the fraud. Let's call it what it is, Dean said in the impeachment. He was asking the official to say that there was evidence of fraud when there wasn't any. The official refused and the investigation was completed. Now, the quote was also used in the impeachment trial brief if you want the specific pages you care to look it up it's on pages 12 and 13 and the brief states president trump's campaign to reverse the election results and keep himself in the white house lasted through the days immediately preceding the assault on the capitol and it goes on to talk about december 23rd president trump called one of georgia's lead investigators urging him to find the fraud and and claiming such you know this is really amazing Now, you think about this. The Washington Post now has finally issued their correction. My first thought is, when are they going to correct the record on all of the Russia collusion, conspiracy theories, hoaxes, and lies that they told the American people? Because everything they told the American people about Trump-Russia collusion turned out to be false. It was all one big lie, and the 99% of the mob, I call them the mob because they have a mob mentality, got it wrong. And the real Russian disinformation dossier, that was the one Hillary paid for. That was the one that could never be verified. Even Christopher Steele told the FBI, I can't verify it. I was doing this to help Hillary distract away from her email scandal problems. And then the subsource that Steele used for the dossier said, no, that, that was just bar talk. None of that was real. So they finally, so I'm waiting for those corrections as well. Anyway, conversation between the president, fake news, Washington Post, finally admitting the president never instructed the official to, quote, find the fraud, never told the official she'd be a national hero if she did so, previously reporting instead that he merely asked her to scrutinize ballots in Fulton County. Remember, they did a select audit in Cobb County. That's not where people thought where the 
the fraud took place. Remember, the, the focus was on Fulton County, Georgia. Concerns were mounting at that time. All he did was ask, all President Trump did was ask that they scrutinize the ballots in Fulton County because they picked the wrong county to scrutinize. Unbelievable. And then the president, you know, that, that you ask me again what you can do. Your state legislators. So they used fabricated evidence at the Trump impeachment trial. Why did they do that? Because they didn't care. Just like they didn't care for all of these years with all the lies that they've told. It was, I've never seen an effort like we've witnessed here. It has been five never-ending years of nonstop psychotic rage and hatred. And a, 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 they're on a mission to just destroy any and all things Donald Trump. We'll get to Joy Behar later in the program. Joy, Joy Behar is literally out there. I thought this was fairly amusing. She mentioned me in a tweet today. Joyless Behar has no sense of humor, but worried that a Republican will replace Governor Cuomo. What? How many women? Now imagine if Donald, seven women Donald Trump, how would they react? Imagine Donald Trump putting kids in cargo shipping containers with bars on the window. Imagine Donald Trump putting kids in cages. Oh, that's right. The cages were built by Joe Biden and Barack Obama. The videos that they said were from the Trump era ended up being from Barack and Joe's administration. Imagine that. Joy Behar worried a republic. So seven women making accusations, including groping, grabbing and fondling. Sexual harassment in great specificity and detail. We have thousands of people dying in nursing homes as a result of the executive action that Cuomo took. Later in the program today, we'll get into the issue of what's been happening in group homes. Many people haven't been paying attention, but we have a similar executive order that mandated group homes taking people that were COVID positive, And we know it resulted in at least 552 people dying, 32 healthcare workers dying. You have a, a grand total, I think it was 10,311 workers contracting COVID as a result of this executive action by Cuomo. 6,382 disabled residents living in these homes, they contracted COVID as well. He's busy writing his book on leadership. Uh, I mean, you just, uh, you can't even make this stuff up. Sean Hannity Show, thanks for being with us. Right down our toll-free telephone number. We hope you'll join us, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Your calls, bottom of the hour. We've been doing much better getting to a lot of great calls because the callers have been phenomenal. They just have been just amazing because we have the best team in all of uh, radio out there, and you got to pass a lot of tests to get on the air, apparently. You got to pass the Katie test, the Linda test, the Ethan test, the Jason test. Sweet baby James, there's no test with him. Hello. Okay, what's your name? You're on. <laughs> I don't even know what this process is, and I don't think I want to. Um, you know, it is sad beyond woke culture and cancel culture, which is real if you're a conservative. And, and this is what I keep telling people. Some are acting surprised. And I'm like, why are you surprised? Conservatives have lived this life now for decades. 
This has been the life of conservatives invited to speak in academia, college environments, college campuses for decades. This has been what has been going on for decades if you are a conservative and you are on the radio and you are outspoken. It just happens. And what what really frustrates me, and I had a conversation with somebody, high-ranking conservative, I won't say who, who's somebody whose name you would know, but it was a private conversation. We were discussing this today, that I really worry over the fact that you know, beyond the overreach of the left, radical socialism, something we should all be concerned about. But I also worry about something that has to do with the idea that people get away with just saying things that are outright lies. And the context of the discussion and my point that I was making was, you know, when you really think about it, they got away with it. They got away with convincing Americans for three years that there was something called Trump-Russia collusion in the 2016 election. And this is now the upside-down world in which we live. And that is that the lie is the truth, and the truth is a lie for some. And propaganda reigns. And it is a full-on frontal assault on truth. The left, if you are a leftist, if you are a radical socialist, you are a statist, an authoritarianist, You have no problem. You are so convinced that your ideology is so superior to what conservatives believe that whatever you have to say to get the outcome you want, you will say it. The ends will justify the means. The latest example of it is simple. You know, let me play a montage here of the Democrats. They're literally blaming Donald Trump for what's happening on our southern border when Donald Trump had secured the border. They're the ones that now have reinstituted catch and release. They stopped building the border wall. They held out the the, the carrot, the, the opportunity that maybe people would get amnesty. They're the ones offering free health care. They're the ones saying, yeah, you can come, but just don't come now. But if you come and you're in now, you probably will get citizenship or amnesty. And this is this is the Democrats, the mob and the media is the same thing, blaming Trump for this this crisis at the border, which they have a hard time saying is a crisis. Listen, we recognize this is a big problem. Uh, The last administration uh, left us a dismantled uh, and unworkable system. And like any other problem, uh, we are going to do everything we can to solve it. This is a humanitarian challenge to all of us. Uh, What the administration has inherited is a broken system at the border, and they are working to correct that. Let me just say this. Joe Biden inherited a huge mess on immigration and it's not going to be cleaned up in a month he's only been in office you know since january 20th about six weeks i guess it is we don't hold people accountable for just flagrant flat-out lying they're lying this is a crisis caused by biden and a crisis caused by complicit democrats lawless by the way as well aiding what do you think sanctuary state status is well, that it's simple. You're aiding and abetting law-breaking. Somebody gets out of jail. The law calls for you to be deported. You're supposed to hand that person over to ICE. Sanctuary state, sanctuary city safety precautions prevent law enforcement from enforcing the law. And Jen Psaki's, well, we don't want to put a, 
a crisis, even though a, a, a label on on what's happening at the border. You know, circle back Chen Saki. Listen. Does FEMA's arrival at the border mean that the administration feels what is happening down at the border is a disaster? I know that we always get into the fun of labels around here, but I would say our focus is on solutions. And this is one of the steps that the president felt would help uh, not become a final solution, but help expedite processing, help ensure that uh, people who are coming across the border are have access to health and medical care. Clearly, the numbers are enormous. This is a big challenge, uh, and it certainly is a reflection of using every lever of the federal government to help address that. No, it's a crisis. And 100,000 in a month has now set a record. And all of it caused by the policies of Joe Biden. You know, and on top of it, the guy that lectures you the most about wearing your mask, yet there's such overcrowding uh, that there's no social distancing. And I don't see a lot of mask wearing either. And the people that said it's the big greatest immorality I've ever seen, the kids in cages that Trump put in cages, those cages were built by Joe and Barack. They weren't built by Donald Trump. We still can't get inside the cargo shipping containers where they're dumping kids, unaccompanied minors now either. And if you look at what you say here, now, now, now they're shipping people all over the country with catch and releases back. I mean, it is complicit in human trafficking it's aiding and abetting law breaking it's not enforcing the laws of the land tom homan is with us former ice director uh you've been saying a lot about this lately i had you on tv recently and you, you po pointed out how biden's border surge that this is a crisis in record time and the border had never been more secure than when you left with donald trump yeah, yeah listen i just listened to your monologue you are spot on the bottom line is, is that the Biden administration inherited the most secure border I've seen in my career, which spans almost 35 years. And i tell you something else. You just talked about the lies administration. Let me tell you about the latest lie, Sean. The secretary put out a memorandum today trying to explain what's going on on the border. In, in, in the second paragraph, he says this. We are expelling most single adults and families. A lie. I got the latest numbers from the Border Patrol today. They've arrested, in the last 24 hours, they arrested... 1,367 family members, 1,117 were released into the United States. That's 82% released the United States. So this statement that they're expelling most single adults and families is a stone-cold lie. And the stay in Mexico policy that was working, that's gone. Catch and release is gone, too. You get caught, you get a court date. What percentage of people show up for that court date? You know, this is what President Trump understood. He understood that 88 to 90 percent of Central Americans who claim asylum at the border never get relief from U.S. courts because they either don't show up or they don't qualify. The other data point they're ignoring are the hundreds of thousands of family units that were ordered deported by judges in the last eight years, 3 percent left. So knowing 90 percent are committing immigration fraud and they lose their case and only 3 percent left, the administration knows that, and what do they do in response? They're releasing them, and they're not, not, they're, they're not allowing ICE to deport anybody. It's ridiculous. That's why President Trump said, okay, well, if we have a 90% failure rate and there's all this fraud going on and people aren't showing up in court and people aren't leaving, we're going to have to remain in Mexico program and make sure we have, the, have them in, in, in process, and if they lose their case, they're gone. President Trump 
did the right thing because of the fraud that he clearly saw. And anybody can go to the Department of Justice website and clearly see this. Homeland, Department of Homeland Security alien life cycle report shows less than 3% left. President Trump took the facts and responded to the facts. The Biden administration is lying and ignoring the facts. You actually said in an interview that you believe the Biden and the Demo- that Biden and the Democrats planned this crisis. What did you mean by that? This isn't by accident. This is by design. President pr- President uh, uh, Joe Biden, when he was vice president, there was a surge in fourteen fifteen. Ali Mayorkas, the secretary, he was a deputy secretary. I met with the White House and, and Mr. Mayorkas many times during the fourteen fifteen surge. They know what caused it and they know how to stop it. So he's making all these promises during a campaign about, you know, getting rid of ICE detention, ending Remain in Mexico program, giving people free health care, amnesty, DACA. They're all the things he knew would cause in the crisis. So he knew what he was doing. And what they're, what they're doing in response, they're doing the complete opposite when he was vice president and Ali Mayorkas was was the deputy secretary. What do we do in response? We, we build detention centers, we detain people, we let ICE remove people, and we stop the enticements. What are they doing now? They're releasing people. ICE can't do their job, and they keep throwing out more and more enticements. Now, now Congress is talking about getting rid of the public charge. They're talking about you know, rewarding illegal behavior for farm workers. They're doing the complete opposite of what both of them know will, stop, will shut this crisis down. Well, I mean, this is now we're not even talking about everything here. Again, the COVID issue, it's unconscionable to me that, you know, Americans are lectured repeatedly about mask wearing shutdowns, draconian shutdowns. Now, now, now by catch and release, you got 11 million illegal immigrants. You got to legalize 11 million. You got 17 million out of work, Americans out of work for the pandemic. Then we are literally firing people left and right those that were building and constructing the border wall and those that work in the energy sector. Their jobs are gone. They've all gotten pink slips. So that's, you know, part two of this. What do you make about this new, these new migrant caravans that are arriving at the U.S. border? Uh, apparently, you've got agents apprehended 134 illegal immigrants, 128 identified as family members. But now we're seeing a majority in the second group from Central America but we're also finding people from all over the world. How do you analyze that? Well, two things. First of all, your comment on the economy. Let, let, let's, this one thing the administration isn't talking about, Sean. All these family units that release the United States, when they get to their destination, they qualify for work authorization. So some of these people are competing for the same scarce jobs as middle-class Americans, first of all. Second of all, yeah, COVID has been released in the United States by these family groups that were released. But Border, another thing the administration isn't saying, Border Patrol is counting over 1,000 Gotaways a day, based on camera traffic, sensor traffic, drone traffic, crossings that they can't respond to. They're tied up with these family units over a thousand a day. How many of them have COVID? And you're right. The 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 the, the people coming across right now, it, it's uh, it, the caravans are going to get bigger and badder. Look, I said Title 42 right now supposed to still be in play, even though Biden administration is trying to ignore it. Once Mexico stops adhering to the Title 42 COVID restrictions, you're going to see a surge like this country has never seen before. They're gearing up for it, and, and what we're doing right now, I, I said this many times, in the history of this country, we have the first president in the history of this country, Sean, that is facilitating illegal immigration, facilitating cross-border crime. Because when these families come across, 
40 to 50 percent of the border patrol agents are tied up with families, changing diapers, making babies before, making hospital runs, making transportation. When half of the border patrol is no longer online, then this turns into a national security crisis. Because the last surge we had when they were tying the border patrol agent, half the agents were off the line. 62,000 Americans died from opioid overdoses. So, you know, the, yeah, the family units are turning themselves in, the children are turning themselves in, but the single adults are running, they're hiding, they want to get in here, claim they've been here for two years and, and, and try to get their hands on, on the next amnesty plan, the next DACA plan. This administration is not being truthful with the American people on what exactly is happening on this border. All right, as we continue, former ICE Director Tom Holman is with us. We had one Texas town report that they had a, a, a COVID positivity rate of 25%. Um, the El Paso fire chief confirmed last week that nine migrants in El Paso tested positive, And he said the migrants are given rapid tests in El Paso through the emergence office of emergency management. They test positive. They're isolated in hotel rooms, uh, but they already have been processed out of immigration custody. They're not even held in the hotel rooms. If they choose to travel, there's no control whatsoever. No, COVID is just, COVID is serious. It's just one thing, but no one's talking about the, the chicken pox and the measles. When I was ICE director, we had facilities shut down over chicken pox and measles, no measles that this country pretty much defeated. Uh, t- tuberculosis. We had a case, one guy was arrested by a border patrol, had a form of TB that wasn't treatable by any known, uh, any known drug. It wasn't responding to any known drug. So we worked closely with the CDC and the Texas Department of Health trying to come up with some sort of treatment for this man. Now think if he would have got into our community. So disease comes across that border every day. COVID is just the, the most recent. All right, Tom Holman, former ICE director, thank you for being with us. Uh, You're right. This is only going to get worse. Mark my words. Listen to what he's saying. This is this is not the month you'd normally expect 100,000 people to show up at your border. But uh, as we've even interviewed with investigative reporting, people are saying, yeah, Joe Biden invited me. Tom, thank you. 800-941-SEAN. Many of you want, need, desire, crave. We all need sleep. We don't perform well. We don't get enough rest. Right. You deserve it. You're working hard all day. Uh, What changed my life is everything, all things, MyPillow.com. I mean, starting with their premium MyPillow, uh, I don't know. It just works. It's the best pillow I've ever had. Even if I'm awake, I'm happy to have my head on my pillow. And they have their MyPillow mattress topper. Right now, they got a special going on. When you go to MyPillow.com, you click on the Sean Hannity Square, and you're going to get 30% off. You get the all-new MyPillow mattress topper. It's got four corner straps. You put it right on top of your old mattress. Don't buy a new mattress. And they'll also include two premium standard MyPillows, one great bundle, 30% off. It's the Sean Hannity Square, MyPillow.com. They have other deep discounts on some of their other great products, like their Giza Dream Sheets. If you want, you can call and just mention my name, 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And guess what? The sleep you want, the sleep you need, the sleep you crave, the sleep you desire will be yours. Those products arrive and you'll be one sleepy, happy individual. Kind of like sleeping Joe Biden. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. They got this hard-hitting news show on ABC called The View. And one of the hosts, we've always liked Whoopi Goldberg. Remember, Whoopi's been on this show before. She's been on Hannity before. It's been a lot of years. And I always got along fine with Whoopi Goldberg. And I met Megan McCain. We got along fine, too. Joyless Behar hates my guts. I don't really hate her. I just think she's nuts. 
And I think that she is just a a hardcore radical leftist partisan. Now, the latest example of that is joyless Behar worrying that, well, if you remove Andrew Cuomo, seven accusations now of harassment and and touching and groping on top of it, including the nursing home scandal, then the group home scandal, which we'll get into at the top of the next hour. And Joyless, you know, well, we can't replace him. We might have a Republican. So put all other principles aside. What worries me is that if he resigns and, you know, fast forward down the line, a Republican becomes a governor of New York State, a lot of things will happen that I won't be happy with. I don't want some Republican coming in there and overturning some of these policies and then exonerating or pardoning Trump, who was going to be indicted in New York State. Oh, okay. So we're going to forget about the whole issue of Me Too and I Believe. And we're going to forget the thousands of people that were pretty much given a death sentence in nursing homes and now group homes, which we've been covering. Uh, We'll forget about pressuring local officials. Well, how many vaccines do you need? Do you support Andrew Cuomo? Um, That investigation now is moving forward and, and we just we'll just forget it all. Let's just hate Donald Trump every second minute hour of every 24 hour day. Unbelievable. All right, let's get to our phones. As promised, we have Patricia is in Buffalo, New York on the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Patricia, how are you? Glad you called. I'm well. Thanks, Sean, for taking my call. Uh, Thank you. I just wanted to bring in another element of uh, the governor's overreach of power uh, and how that's kind of influencing the way we do things here in New York more and more. I'm a homeschooling mom of 24 years. Wow. Uh, I yeah, I currently work in a Well, wait a minute. How uh, many kids do you have and how how what are their age what are they spread out over their like the, the decade? Well, well, I have my oldest is uh 27 and my youngest is 15. I have okay. four kids. I got uh, it. No, I good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I currently work in um all the kids are who have finished are wonderfully successful. Uh I now currently work in a study center or a co-op. Um, but recently with, uh, in joint with the passing of HR one down in DC, a bill was brought to the floor in Albany. It's, uh, a 3432, if anybody's interested in looking up the details, but what this is, is a definite totalitarian overreach into, uh, the ability for parents to determine what their kids will learn and not learn. And currently, we continue to refer to mom as mom, dad as dad. We will use pronouns as he and she. Uh, But this bill uh, that is um, being pushed uh, by the teachers union through safe assemblymen uh, in New York State is going to require that anybody who provides any kind of educational services out of their home to submit to the local superintendent a detailed report it will be, there will be a feed behind it to be determined by the district. The superintendent will do an on-site visit every three months. They want to see the curriculum, the objectives, the materials, the websites you're using. And they want to do a background check or they want to know the credentials. They want to know if the people who are giving these kids instruction, if they are worthy of the job. And uh, it, it goes into the language is dangerously vague. Uh, and, um, it is a concern 
because I, you know, our perspective is that they are really, they see that there's, especially after the schools failing to um, open up, uh, the teachers are a little threatened by the fact that people have grown accustomed to the possibility of maybe homeschooling their kids. And that leaves a whole batch of minds that they do not have access to. And we follow a classical education program where we teach the kids how to think, not what to think. The world is now forever changed in my view. And by changed, I mean, in ways that I I think we are just beginning to absorb. Mm -hmm. And one of the big changes is we've learned that teleeducation works, teleworking works. Uh, we've, We've learned a lot of things. Telemedicine works. And I think these are this this will integrate more and more into society. Um, now, I think most people, I mean, a lot of people would choose they want their kids socially to be in a, a school environment. They like it, et cetera, et cetera. But we do know that there are alternatives out there. Homeschooling is certainly one of them. And there's some amazing programs actually out there online for people that, for whatever reason, prefer to do it from home and then there are people like yourself that are just dedicated to doing that hard job of raising your kids and educating your kids at the same time that's a hard job and giving them education that is also in keeping with your values look schools Mm -hmm. have gotten so bad all over the country alex honestly that i i don't blame parents one bit for saying they've had enough and Mm -hmm. some of these private schools look at this one in new york where you not allowed to say mom, dad, Merry Christmas, and you certainly can't even say Happy Holidays or where to ask where did you go on vacation. So I, people, parents have just had it, and they they don't want their kids indoctrinated into this leftist point of view, and that's exactly what happens in many schools, and they're making the choice you're making, but it's hard. And I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think there's a big change coming. Yeah, yeah, it's it's concerning. Um, We've always had a great working relationship with area districts, and I think some districts are not going to really appreciate being saddled to this responsibility. Uh, but it's definitely something that is, and this is unfortunately classic New York, where these bills are brought to the floor and the public has absolutely, you know, zero idea of, of what is possibly going to be law. And Cuomo has been notorious for the 11 o'clock, 59-minute signing bills into laws with nobody having any say. So uh, it's a concern. Well, Again, the bill A3432, if anybody wanted to look it up. Patricia, thank you for giving us this information. We, we appreciate it. Uh, all right, let us go to Marsha, California, next, Sean Hannity Show. What's up, Marsha? How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Sean? I'm good. What's going on? Okay, uh, I'm from California, Southern California, and our conservative population who actually voted are beyond frustrated. We know that the media ran Biden's campaign, and we are reaping the, it's not benefits, we've got Gascon, we've got Newsom, we've got school closures, we have restaurant closures, and everything is upside down. Um, The border crisis is beyond belief. I don't understand how they can, well, I do, how they can blame President Trump for this. When when he was in office, things were settled. His wall was being built. Things were seemed to be settled. The drugs weren't coming over as much as they are right now. And I wonder, where are these people getting the T-shirts 
who's buying the T-shirts for these people. And we talk to you while we're watching you at night. We're talking to you on the television, asking the same question. Where, Sean, ask where are they getting these T-shirts? Um, when President you know, it's Trump funny. Office, I haven't asked anybody, what? but it, but I have thought of the question. I'm like, where did all these buy? But let us in Biden T-shirts come from. It's so funny you say that, but it's a great question. You're right. I I will ask the next next investigative reporter to to go <laughs> ask. I've been pushing so hard to get our cameras inside of these shipping uh, cargo containers with no luck so far, but we're trying. And that is a great question. Where'd you get the Biden T-shirt from? Are they yeah, selling and, them and in El Salvador or Central America somewhere? And how much did you pay for it? Right. And in October, when I, I had called you because you had mentioned in October that President Trump wakes up every morning, he said it, and he wants to know how he can fight another day for all of us. And there's no one there's what do we do? We can't we can't write to our 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 elected officials. My husband was mayor of our city for many, many years. Um, it's a little small town in Southern California, but no one, there's no one that we can turn to. You were, Fox is the only station that is, we believe, is telling what's going on, but it's, we're doomed. I don't know what we can do, and we're reaching out to you to give us some advice. Um, we're, we, we we're not, let me tell that. you the first thing. We're not doomed. We're we're not okay, doomed. Things okay. are. Uh, look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be Pollyannish about it either. I know. Things are not ideal. You know, look, I mentioned earlier in the program, Elizabeth Warren talks underway to change the filibuster rule. Of course, it is. D.C. statehood under consideration, stacking the courts under consideration. I mentioned all the taxes that'll be going up. That's now a reality in. And a, and a wealth tax and a capital gains tax and a corporate tax. I mean, we're, we're about to get clobbered in ways okay. that nobody ever knew. But I'll tell you what's going to happen. And this is as predictable as the days long. Democrats have way overreached as usual. And I, I think those around Biden, whoever it is that's really in charge there, you've got the most radical, extreme agenda ever put forward by any major political party in history. Now, the predictable result and outcome, Americans are watching, they see it, it'll fail, and Americans in numbers, probably unlike any we've seen before, will go out in mass and they will vote these people out. And the first wave of this should be in 2022, and that is the House and the Senate. And the next wave is taking back the White House in 2024. Uh, and then we can hopefully begin the process of undoing the damage that is being done on a daily basis now, because that's going to be the first order of business. Right. It's just it's frustrating us that now every, every whenever Fox goes to the liberal media, they're now blame, how I mean, it's like, do they think we're the conservative people are that stupid to say that it was Trump's fault. I know I understand that Trump didn't do anything with the vaccines, right? That that to me blows my mind. But the fact that it's Trump's fault, which is happening now, because Biden said, come on, everybody come. We want you. Kumbaya. Um, it's like it makes me crazy. It makes all of us crazy. And there's a huge group of us in our little city that will get out the vote and do whatever we can. But 
we reach out to you to continue doing what you're doing. Let me let me give you the first order of business because I get asked this question a lot, Marsha. You're you're asking a question many people are asking me. The first order of business is if you live in Georgia, your state legislature is now in the process of fixing the problems with your electoral system in Georgia. Now that would it, that would mandate voter ID. That would mandate signature verification, and one standard for everybody in Georgia, not having dual certification standards. Uh, They are, you know, similar things are happening in Pennsylvania. We need Wisconsin, Arizona. There's some work being done. There's about 20 states now that have begun these efforts. The first order of business is we have got to ensure partisan observers can observe state constitutions are respected, state laws are respected, that we have voter ID, signature verification, in-person voting, strict criteria if there's going to be absentee mail-in voting, so that we know beyond any doubt that the person who sends in the ballot is the person that's actually doing the voting. And we better get a hold of that, otherwise we'll never win any election. That is that is the first order of business, and hopefully we can get that going now. And you can start where you are in Cali- the United Socialist Utopia in California. Um, Got to run. Thank you, Marsha. Appreciate the call. Here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. Your calls, final half hour of the program coming up, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Well, the saga that is all things Andrew Cuomo just is not going away. On top of the deadly nursing home scandal, you've got, what, he add to that seven accusations of sexual misconduct, uh, 30 plus accusations of workplace har- harassment. Uh, we've got the Mario Cuomo bridge corruption scandal. That would be a bridge named after his father, a former governor. And according to an official ethics complaint, now you got New York's vaccine czar called apparently was calling county officials to gauge their loyalty to the governor amid all of these investigations. So you got that investigation. Very few people, however, have picked up on a story that we have reported on on this program. You have group homes in New York, and the group homes got the same order as the nursing homes, and that is to allow people with COVID back into these homes, even though a lot of these facilities, in fact, are not prepared to take on the challenges of people with COVID-19. Then it begins to spread. And now it's become such a problem that we now know at least 552 people have died. An additional 32 workers were forced into the infection and infectious homes. People that were just going to work every day, they died also, according to records for the Office of People with Developmental Disabilities that oversee these group homes. So this April 10th, 2020 executive order following the nursing home order in late March of 2020, placed infected patients in the state's more than 7,000 group homes similar to the nursing home policy. And you've got the result is 6,382 disabled residents and 10,311 workers that end up contracting COVID-19 and a number of them die. And numerous employees now say that no facilities exist to separate the sick residents that were forced back into the homes 
with mingling and having contact with other members of the household and the staff that's watching and helping and assisting at these at these facilities. And they're all using the same bathrooms and living rooms and kitchens. And the same employees said they had a texting network of colleagues throughout the agency and and knew that no one that wanted to work in this COVID infected home. Rather, they claim that they and their coworkers were tricked and threatened into doing so. That's how bad this has gotten. Um, here to weigh in on a lot of this, Tori Richards is with us. She's an investigative reporter with the Washington Examiner, and she has also extensively reported on the malfeasance at the VA hospitals. Remember that from years ago? We covered it in great specificity and detail. Remember they had the, the dual waiting lists? You could be on the list and die, and then they would say, oh, come on in. But if you looked at the records, the records would show that you just you, you just began to seek assistance and help that was promised. But meanwhile, you had requested it a year ago and they didn't take you on. Um, and Kathleen Cole is a whistleblower and an advocate and documentary filmmaker. And she's a small business owner. She reported on the fatal conditions at New York schools to the attorney general and apparently faced retaliation in the great liberal socialist utopia of New York. Anyway, both of you, thank you for being with uh, with us today. Tori, I'm listening to this. I'm reading all of this. We first reported on this a couple of weeks ago. First thing that stuck out in my mind is at least, finally, the nursing home executive order was rescinded. Apparently, the executive order that is related to these homes was not rescinded. Why? No, I think because um, Cuomo can get away with this. No one knows about this, really, until we reported on this extensively last week. And so it's just an unforgotten disaster that he has. So the last. By the way, it might have been your thing. reporting. I don't recall where where I read it, but it might have been your reporting I was referring to. But I mean, we we covered it as soon as we saw it. Yes, we bro- I broke the story with the help of Kathleen because, ironically, I was working on a VA story and I ran into her. And so she said, here's a disaster. I mean, these people are getting infected. No one's doing anything about it. And they have the same thing going on with the nursing homes, um, people in and out of these homes who have COVID. But the worst part is the poor workers who are floated between these homes when someone calls in sick. So then they'll have COVID, be forced to work, and just spread it around through these 7,000 homes. And then if they want to go home or call in sick, they're just threatened by the uh, date or find or a variety of other things. And they're just terrified of working there. Well, you got to isolate people that have COVID from those that don't have COVID. That's just kind of basic, simple one-on-one. I mean, we've learned a lot in the last year and Kathleen, that would be a, a simple commonsensical thing to do. And all of this has been happening and there's been whistleblowers and nobody, everybody that's tried to get it fixed has been ignored apparently. Yes, thank you, Sean. Um, Governor Cuomo and Commissioner Kastner are 100% aware of the fears of not only the workers, but the administrators. I was provided with a letter that was written to him on April of uh, 8, 2020, by the um, president of the TEF union, Public Employees Federation, begging for guidance and telling them of their fears. Um, he was questioned by an Albany reporter in May. Uh, in fact, two days after the letter from the um, 
the workers, the administrators in the OPWDD, he did the executive order, the same one for the nursing homes to the uh, disabled group homes. Well, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm, I got, I, I just can't even believe that this is possible. I, I mean, knowing everything that we now know, and knowing that there are other innocent people that are not sick in these homes, and they're not taking the proper measures to prevent the spread of COVID, and yet we're all getting lectured, especially by the likes of these governors that put in place these draconian shutdowns. You know, what good Tory are the shutdowns and the mask wearing and the social distancing of everybody else when you're literally creating a Petri dish inside of group homes and nursing homes? Well, they don't care about it. I mean, when I contacted them for a quote, they said, oh, we are separating them. Um, we have other homes where they can go to. No one's in the same home with a healthy resident. I mean, that's a flat-out lie. I talked to numerous whistleblowers. All of them said that's a lie. Um, and then I come back to them, and then they dispute what the worker said. Um, one resident um, was sick and elderly and brought into there, and then there's only, like, a cloth in the same room, which they shared between the two. So the residents that are sick use the same common bathroom because these are homes in neighborhoods. It's not like a nursing home facility. It's like a small home. So they are mingling with everybody else. They're in the same kitchen, in the same restroom. And then if you look at the infection rate of the staff, which is almost double the infection rate of the residents, that's because these poor workers are sick and forced to, like, go from home to home, spreading it as they go. And so in frustration, I called um, U.S. Senate, I mean, I'm sorry, um, New York State Senator Anthony Palumbo, and I said, what are you going to do about this? Are you going to do a Ron Johnson call hearings, like demand, get Como in there under oath? And so he agreed on Friday, I'm going to do that. And so he sent out a letter to his colleagues in the Senate saying, we need to have these hearings. So that's what he plans to do. So apparently it's going to take the legislature to fix this because Como doesn't care. What's the latest on the New York Senate is eyeing this probe on the uh, group home COVID policy? What's the latest on that? Well, they sent out a letter on Monday, and as you know, it's a Republican, Anthony Cuomo, with uh, three of his Republican colleagues. And so he has to get permission from a Democrat chair of the Government Investigations Committee to do this. And so if that person does not get permission, I said, guess what my next story is? I'm going to call that guy and ask why he wants these people to continue to die and not call so if investigation. I, um, if I could just jump in. So, Sean, you know, um, Michael Carey opened the Jonathan Carey Foundation, and his son was murdered by New York State caregivers in a group home. And a whistleblower reached out to him after his son's death, Jeffrey Mansour. And we have been a united force for several years, uh, John from uh, Michael for many years, going after the corruption. And the Department of Justice, two years ago uh, in December of 18, I'm sorry, December of 18, asked the Department of Justice to come in and investigate the covering up of death and neglect and abuse of the disabled in these homes. And the Department of Justice declined or did not do an investigation. So the state, I don't believe, can investigate itself. We need the Department of Justice to come in and do a civil and a criminal investigate, a civil rights violation and a criminal investigation. But, but Kathleen, you, you see what's happening right now. You can't even get the, the leader of the I Believer Caucus to talk or speak out about Andrew Cuomo. That would be Kamala Harris. Joe Biden is protecting Andrew Cuomo. No, but what? I'm sorry. So, so why would we expect the Department of Justice to do anything against a fellow Democrat? Now, I've got to give credit to the New York AG 
who seems to be very aggressive and just pursuing the law. Absolutely. Well, what they're going to try to do is get this order overturned that says they can commingle and then have them answer to their working conditions and demand to improve the working conditions for these employees. Um, that's what they're trying to do in the Senate. And they have the ability to do that in that in government oversight committee. And also, the numbers are not truthful that are being given to the media, because I have an internal document from an OPWDD stakeholder meeting that was provided to me. And as of February of 2010, uh, the internal memo states that 12,414 staff members have been infected, and Tory was provided with the information a month later that only 10,311 had been infected. And then the internal memo states that 618 residents have passed from COVID, and Tory was provided with 552 a month later. So we believe, much like the nursing home scandal, they're hiding the, uh, the true numbers of the deaths and the infections. So like in the nursing home scandal, I'm sure both of you, Tory, would like to get a hold of the real numbers, if there are other numbers that exist here, and get to the bottom of it. Do you have any people within government, within these group homes, that would be able to assist and help? I know you guys have been doing investigative work. Have you found anything? Well, not yet. I mean, this is just breaking wide open, and the senator is going to subpoena all kinds of documents. Um, The story that I did yesterday talking about this Senate investigation, um, I got a nasty email from the state saying, uh, well, we're cooperating with you. We've been transparent, and we gave you all the numbers we have. Why are you... Uh, saying bad things about us in the paper. Um, And then they were highly sensitive about the senator's comments that we don't like what's going on there. And I I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's inexplicable to me because this order is still in place today. So this this is still happening. Am I wrong on that, Tori? You're correct. still happening. In fact, Kathleen's gotten, since my stories have run last week, there's been about four or five of them. She's gotten about a dozen phone calls from terrified workers saying, thank God this is out. No one and, was and, helping us. Yes, and they're saying that this they, that the state is, it's a bold lie. There is, there is absolutely commingling. They have nowhere to go to isolate. And these are profoundly disabled and frail people on feeding tubes, they need to be fed. They need to be changed. There's no social distancing. And then they're, three minutes before their shift is up, they're told, you're mandated to work another eight hours. Uh, I, and if they, com- if they yeah, complain, they get a fine of 500 to $900. They get written up. They get uh, off work with no pay for 30 days. Their jobs are threatened. They, they want to speak out. They want me to assure you, Sean and Tori, that what the state is saying is an absolute lie and that people's lives are in danger today as we speak. All right, quick break. I, I want to hold over uh, Tori Richards, Kathleen Cole, get some final thoughts here. Then we'll get to your phone calls. 800-941-SEAN, our number. Quick break. Right back on the other side. Your calls, much more coming up straight ahead. All right, as we continue, investigative reporter for the Washington Examiner, Tori Richards, also uh, Kathleen Cole, whistleblower, advocate, documentary filmmaker, as we blow wide open, it's beyond the nursing home scandal. Now it's the group home scandal with the nursing home scandal in the state of New York. I, I'm flabbergasted listening to this story. I really am. I, I, as bad as I, I read it, it was, it's now worse on steroids is what we're saying, what you're both telling me today. I mean, one coworker I talked to, he said, this is crazy. I have a newborn baby at home. I didn't sign up for this. A lot of these people make practically minimum wage. They're not nurses. 
this isn't the job they signed up for. And for the state, to, they go to work, and then all of a sudden they call them up and say, hey, you're going to Maple Street uh, a mile away, and it's a COVID house. And they're thinking, oh, my God, my wife just had a baby a week ago. I mean, what do you do? And you can't say, I'm leaving now, I'm going home, and then they'll say, okay, bye, because the economic disaster Como created, there's no job. So what are they going to do if they're fired? I mean, it, at least with the nursing homes, not that it's not bad, it's horrific, but um, these people know what they're getting into when they go to work every day, and they have the masks and the materials. Um, they didn't have materials when this first started at the group homes. They had nothing. All right, quick break. I, I want to hold over uh, Tori Richards, Kathleen Cole, get some final thoughts here. Then we'll get to your phone calls, 800 941 Sean, our number. Quick break, right back on the other side. Your calls, much more coming up straight ahead. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. We're going to get to your calls here. Final thoughts, though. We now know about the nursing home scandal. Now we're learning about the group home scandal uh, in New York State. That executive order, at least the nursing home scandal, the nursing home executive order eventually got uh, removed. This 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 executive order still remains in place to this day. And that is you've got over, what, 7000 group homes in New York and covid patients directed through executive action, Governor Cuomo to take on covid-19 patients. And the workers there are getting infected. 32 care workers so far forced into these infectious homes have died. 552 of the residents have died as a result of these policies. All right, our final thoughts. Tori Richards, investigative reporter, Washington Examiner. Kathleen Cole, whistleblower, advocate, documentary filmmaker. I want to get final thoughts here. Kathleen, you pointed out, too, that no spare bedrooms, workers sleeping on air mattresses in the living room. Boy, that's that's a really healthy environment. And if they speak out, they're going to be punished. So everybody has to stay anonymous. It's not like they can get another job in, in this economy right now, especially with draconian shutdowns that are still in place in New York. Correct? Correct. And and what's happening, Sean, is they're in a, po- a COVID-positive home one day. And then the next day, they're sent 10 miles away because they could float them within a 25-mile radius. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And we're getting lectures that we got to wear our mask outside, even when you're socially distanced. I I really, it's unbelievable to me. Well, let's see what happens. But great work. Uh, I hope you will both update us on your progress. And I've got to tip my hat to both of you for your hard work here. And, uh... Uh, we like to give attribution, Tori. I did not know that you had broken the story that we used. I had read it somewhere, and maybe it was somebody that cut and pasted your great ar- your hard work, and that does happen sometimes, and I apologize. Oh, it's Linda, your wonderful producer. I've known her for years. So, yes, All right. Well, why does everybody like Linda? Everybody likes Linda. <laughs> Linda, Linda, Linda. I'm so sick of hearing about Linda. All right. So, I think it's really, really important if you could just give me a few seconds to tell you yeah, about you got to close it out. Center. Real that quick. was created by, by Andrew Cuomo. And it, it, it circumvents 911. So that's how a lot of this is happening. They are not, it's not getting to law enforcement and district attorneys. That's important knowledge. Uh, I have a funny feeling it's going to, thanks to your good work. Kathleen Cole, Tori uh, Richards, so thank you both. Appreciate you, Sean. Thank you. All right, guys, thank you both. Unbelievable. I mean, these are the people, we're putting innocent people at risk here. People that are supposed to be in our care. All right, let's get to the uh, phones here. As promised, uh, let us say hi to Brian in Texas. Brian, hi. How are you? Glad you called. 
Hey, Sean. Uh, one of the things that I was concerned about that nobody's talking about is the impact that illegal aliens have on smaller communities. I'm a trial lawyer in Texas, have a big criminal practice here, and we've had five murders in a span of three years that involved numerous defendants because they were either cartel hits or MS-13 hits. And they choose these outlying counties, you know, smaller counties, because we don't have a law enforcement, you know, that's out patrolling and, and looking for this. Plus, there's so many rural areas just to dump a body or burn it in a car. Um, the last couple of cases I've handled involved exactly that. Listen, I, I'm. Uh, this is very, very real. And this is, th- these are the things, the people that tell us they have the most love and the most compassion for for people are the ones that just they, they, they don't seem so compassionate when innocent americans end up dying as a result of people that were frankly aided and abetted in law-breaking activity in this country illegally not respecting our laws not respecting our borders not respecting american sovereignty not willing to go through the legal process, protected by liberal Democrats. And when innocent people die, they just wash their hands of, of any culpability whatsoever. And meanwhile, you know, it's like this. It's, you know, you could use the Kate Steinle case as, as the one big example that everybody understands. But there are plenty of those examples. The biggest impact we have, because a lot of these murders just involve another cartel, or, or a coyote or somebody like that. I mean, the, the one I'm handling right now, coyote got murdered by Zeta. Okay. But, but the big impact is this county has to pay for lawyers. Now, while that might enrich me personally, or have some, it doesn't enrich me, but have some financial benefit to me, at the end of the day, a case like this may cost a half a million dollars to our county. And we're holding them in our county jail in a se- segregation unit for years before we can get to trial. The feds aren't coming up helping us. The feds aren't doing these prosecutions, and they could. We're eating the cost in this county. And, you know, it, there, I've had, I have eight kids, Sean. And, and when you're living in Walker County, Texas, and you find out, you know, somebody else has been brutally murdered, to give you an example, one gentleman was stabbed, you know, about 50 times and then set on fire just outside of town, it has an impact on your community. You know, you have a fear factor. You have a, a you know, stress as kids to know this kind of conduct really happens. That, that's you know, a, a lot of people say is if you remember when Donald Trump initially talked about some bad people crossing the border. Now, I, I, I'll make the case. Trump, I don't. That's Trump. not the. Well, that's Trump. not the overwhelming majority of people. I'm making a point here and I'm hearing what you're saying. But this is why we need background checks we need to know that people don't have criminal or radical associations in this day and age of covid and pandemic we need health care checks the american people cannot we cannot afford to take care of millions of people you know so if there is legal immigration people have got to be able to take care of themselves financially if they if they are given one of the highly coveted positions to come in but it's not happening and there are innocent Americans harmed by this, and all of us end up paying the bill in the end. It gets bigger and bigger uh, the more violence we see 
growing into these rural counties. Now, Walker County is not the only county affected, obviously. I mean, there, there are any, any rural county around Houston, San Antonio, Austin, you're going to see the same type of conduct. They bring the bodies up here to kill them and dispose of them out in the woods. Well, there goes my law enforcement, and, and these guys are dear friends of mine, these officers. You know, they're eating up all their time investigating a murder because we have a weak border policy. We're letting them in, Sean. And, and, and I'm telling you, I know because I represent numerous of these guys. Um, you know, it's, it's having a huge impact on us economically, socially, and like you say, plus it's just wrong. You know, human trafficking, opioid trafficking. We have an op- opioid crisis in this country. COVID now is a big problem with illegal immigrants at the border. All of this, all of this now is now it's going to accelerate and continue to accelerate into a bigger and bigger crisis. And it's all because of the policies of liberal Democrats, socialist Democrats and Joe Biden. And all of this is preventable. Now, I do not support citizenship or a path to citizenship for people that don't respect our laws, don't respect our sovereignty and don't go through the legal process that, you know, you're basically rewarding all the wrong behavior. And then the people that go through the, the difficult, hard process of doing it legally, they, they deserve an opportunity to come in, but we're not able to even process them because we're so wrapped up in protecting things. Now, if we would have finished the border wall, if we would have kept the stay in Mexico policy, if we didn't bring back catch and release, which is dumb, if we didn't have sanctuary cities and sanctuary states that are protecting, and that's basically states and cities complicit in aiding and abetting law-breaking, then a lot of these problems that we're discussing here would go away, wouldn't they, sir? Well, they would. We're fortunate enough that we have Governor Abbott that's, you know, he's increased a presence on the border. I got I got immediately concerned when I saw, you know, the change in the policy, and I, and I knew that there would be waves and waves of people attempting to cross. You know, yep. usually your bad guys aren't in that wave. They're 10 miles down the river, and, and those coyotes know exactly when to cross. And, and, and when you start talking about coyotes, when they bring somebody over to this country— They've only paid half their debt. You stay with a coyote in a compound until you pay the other half of your debt. That always involves criminal activity. Always. Um, That's the danger. You're, shy, you're, you're giving America a reality check. That is the reality of what's going on. That would be, by any definition, a crisis. Brian, thank you. It's eye-opening. Peter, Alabama, next, Sean Hannity Show. What's up, Peter? How are you, sir? I just wanted to also talk about the immigration issue. I think what uh, President Biden's been doing at the border is beyond inhumane. It's a violation of, you know, what America stands for as a country. I mean, I mean, before the progressives kind of hijacked our immigration policy, we had an immigration policy that worked. It, you know, it promoted good business. It limited immigration. And uh, that was, you know, privatized borders. Listen, it's 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 a preventable problem. How do we know it's preventable? We just had Tom Holman on the program today, former ICE director. And the borders had never been as secure as they are 
as they've ever under Donald Trump's policies. Now they've overturned the policies. Now you see 100,000 people in one month, including many unaccompanied minors. And now they become the responsibility of we, the American people, 100,000 people. That's health care for 100,000 people. That's housing for 100,000 people. That's food, water, medicine, supplies for 100,000 people. That's education for all of those kids. Uh, th- that then becomes a, comp- a more competitive job market for every American still struggling to get back to work post-pandemic after draconian shutdowns. It impacts every aspect of our economy. And, you know, we can never, you know, it's being facilitated by these policies. That's that's the whole, that's the worst part of this. Anyway, Peter, thank you. Appreciate it. Kim, Alaska, next, Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Kim, how are you? Cold up there. Hi. Okay. Where in, where in Alaska are you? Fairbanks, Alaska. Fairbanks is beautiful, although I've never been it there. Is. I've I've watched every Alaska show, reality show ever made. Life below Love zero. It. There's eight months of winter up here. I know it's crazy. I don't know. I mean, it's a rough life up there, but I, I kind of admire people off the grid and and doing their own thing. And and I think it's extraordinarily courageous and challenging. And it seems I don't know. It's, at times, it seems very appealing to me. Well, it can be, except for our governor has decided to shut everything down, including daycare and any indoor playground that we had. Say shut down the playgrounds, the indoor playgrounds? Correct. Yeah, I have small children, and eight months of winter with no indoor playground has been kind of torturous. No, that's rough. Um, You know, the thing is, it's like, look at what's going on in Florida. I'm going to have to run. We're a little short on time this segment, but just real quick. The schools are open. And kids are doing fine. COVID is not, it's not that big a problem for young people, for college kids, for young kids in school. It's challenging up here because we do have eight months of winter. Everything is closed. The children's museums, the indoor playgrounds, everything shut down. And that all has to do with the leadership of the state. Mr. Murkowski and our governor are terrible and they need to be replaced politically. I agree about Lisa Murkowski, but I would say if you, I would put teachers at the top of the list to protect them. Uh, but knowing that, that people that are most susceptible to real problems with COVID are older people, Mm -hmm. preexisting conditions, comorbidities and compromised immune systems. And yeah, they have successfully been opening up these schools all around the country. And that would mean if you don't can open up the school, you can open up the playground. Anyway, well, thank you, the, Kim. It, All the best. I got to, I'm on a hard break here, but I appreciate you being out there. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Big Hannity, tonight we always hope you will set your DVR so you never, ever, ever miss an episode. We're loaded up. Kevin McCarthy just back from the border. Stephen Miller on this disastrous crisis at the border. Uh, we'll check in with Pete Hegseth tonight, Joe Concha tonight, Geraldo and Dan Bongino, Tammy Bruce, Janice Dean. Janice Dean lost her two in-laws in the nursing home scandal. It's been outspoken now for over a year, and finally the story is getting out. All right, say you DVR, 9 Eastern, Hannity on Fox. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us. You make this show possible.